In Atlanta, one voice has stood out for over four decades. An AJC original, The Monica Pearson Show. Let's talk about how you got to ESPN. Revealing interviews. You are known as America's doctor, but I want to know who you were before that. When you have a different name, you have different color skin, it can be tough. With Atlanta's most famous faces as you've never seen them before. I'm telling my story. This is the American dream. The Monica Pearson Show, streaming now on AJC.com. Hip-hop is a product of black people. It's a product of black song and celebration. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution presents... Hip-hop's most pulled elements are pulled from the South. A Southern hip-hop story. We always go back to that moment of the Source Awards. Everybody wants your rhythm, but they don't want your blues. The biggest names in hip-hop. Atlanta is still the mecca for hip-hop. 50 years. No one can deny... One film. The power of the South now. The South got something to say. Streaming now at AJC.com slash hip-hop. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Politically Georgia podcast, home of news and analysis from your political insiders at the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. I'm Greg Bluestein, the political reporter for the AJC, and I'm here today with Scott Truby, who covers economics, business, and economic development for the AJC. I'm pleased to be here. Well, today we're going to talk about one of our favorite topics, which is Amazon the 50,000-job second campus that is looking at Georgia and 19 other sites for a possible second headquarters for the tech giant based now in Seattle. Scott, tell us a little bit why this is such a big deal in Georgia's business community. Well, everyone looks around and sees 50,000 jobs, and for an economic developer or a politician, that big of a round number, you know, it is absolutely enthralling. I mean, you can tell your constituents, you can tell the people that support you, that you brought 50,000 high-paying jobs, $100,000 on average each, to your state. The bona fides of a tech giant, e-commerce giant like Amazon, there really is no bigger prize in economic development right now going around the country. And so every one of those 20 shortlist communities wants this thing, and that has, in a way, uh, created a bidding war, which is uh, something we'll get to in a minute. Yeah, and it's a $5 billion campus, but it would take it might take just that much in incentives to get the campus. Georgia's already talking about uh, offering at least $1 billion in incentives, but the governor has called for a special session if Atlanta is one of the top three finalists for the project. It would probably in- involve billions of dollars more in incentives. Now, we might not know the, the, the total amount, because it is precluded from us for seeing it through the Open Records Act, right? That is correct. Uh, so for an active project of, I think, over 50 jobs and $25 million in investment, we can't know what they're offering uh, from the state. Uh, we can find out after the fact, either once the project's done or we want it, um, or they've moved on to somewhere else. Um, but for a while, we won't know. Now, that said, we may get some clues from that special session if we are one of the top three or five finalists, like you mentioned, uh, if it becomes something that's bandied about in the legislature, we'll know about that debate. But outside of that, it's only a guessing game. We know that jobs tax credits might be 800 or $900 million worth of uh, incentives. We know that the other powerful tools that the state has and local governments have, such as tax abatements for new projects, we know that there are other various perks for uh, you know high-tech investments and that sort of thing. Uh, we, we know the package is at least a billion, uh, probably within state law, two billion even. Um, but what they'll go beyond that, we don't know. And, and also, um, Governor Deal has discretionary funds. He has deal-closing funds that uh, he could uh, woo the company with, and we don't know how far he might go with those. And this has sort of triggered a Olympics-like bidding war. No question. Not since 1990s when Atlanta was going after the Olympics 
have we really seen this sort of enthusiasm and energy from the business community to get something that would be a giant prize for the for the entire state? Um, but it's not necessarily a done deal, not even close. I mean, look, uh, there's already it's already helping shape the debate at the Georgia Capitol, but not everyone is a fan of what it could take to get this project, especially if you're talking about lawmakers who are outside of the city of Atlanta trying to convince them that billions of dollars worth of incentives to land a 50,000 jobs deal in Atlanta isn't an easy task. And there's some, you know, there's some, uh, interestingly enough, there's some congruency with some on the right and the left. They don't want to see billions of dollars worth of incentives going to one of the richest companies in the world. Um, but then you have, you know, the uh, sort of the, the business wing of the uh, the Republican Party and also, you know, sort of the more business-friendly wing of the Democratic Party, I think, who are, you know, they're, they're at least willing to have the conversation about what will, will go into this. Um, but um, you're right. I mean, it's clouding, you know, sort of ho- hovering over as a cloud uh, the legislature. The business community is also is hovering over them as well. They, they want no missteps. They want everything when Amazon comes to visit soon to be perfect, to show off Atlanta in the best possible light. Yeah, and it already has sort of cast a shadow over this legislative session, which is ending in a few weeks. Uh, and there's three big bi- three big issues uh, that, that Georgia corporate powers, the folks that are trying to recruit Amazon, are really worried about. The first, the first happened early in the session, and that was a Senate resolution that condemned the NFL uh, right before the Super Bowl, about one year before Atlanta hosts the Super Bowl. Now, lawmakers quickly passed another resolution welcoming the Super Bowl to, to the city and getting pumping up, getting excited about the Super Bowl coming to Atlanta in a year. Um, but that was, that was the first little, little black eye. The second one was a religious liberty-tinged provision that the Senate passed that basically allows private adoption agencies that take, federal, that take state funding to reject placing children with same-sex couples. Uh, that bill is still pending in, this, in the House. It's unlikely to go to the governor's desk. But just the very fact that it draw, drew headlines and passed in the Senate was seen as a, big, a bigger black eye to, to the Atlanta community uh, through the lens of corporate powers and, and the folks who are trying to recruit uh, Amazon. But the third one is Delta. Tell us a little about what happened. So um, you had uh, Delta, after a uh, deadly school shooting in Florida, um, say it was going to withdraw a uh, discount for members of the NRA. Uh, ultimately, we later found out that only 13 people had actually exercised that uh, airfare discount. Uh, but it so angered uh, members of the Georgia Gener- General Assembly, uh, including uh, Lieutenant Governor Casey Cagle, who's running for governor, uh, that uh, he vowed to strip a lucrative uh, tax break for Delta that was going to be in an upcoming tax bill uh, from the tax bill. About $50 million a year. It's, all, it's for all aviation companies, but about $40 million of it. So the, the big majority of it would go would have benefited Delta. And for Delta, this was their top legislative priority. They had hired a whole new team of lobbyists. They had kind of paved the way. Their top lobbyist was the governor's former executive counsel, David Werner, uh, who had a sort of single-minded mission to get this passed this year. And it had the governor's support. It had already passed the House. It looked like it was a done deal until this NRA decision. So then the NRA thing comes. Uh, Lieutenant Governor uh, Casey Cagle strips it or has it stripped from the bill. Says he won't. He will not let it get to a vote in the Senate unless Delta reverses his position. And it did not. Did not. Delta stuck to its position. And so it's gone. And and in the business community, it was seen as uh, lawmakers um, acting in retribution against a company speaking to its values. Uh, you had uh, Cousins Property CEO um, Larry Gellerstadt come out very forcefully in a column by Jim Galloway uh, in the AJC talking about how it was um, – 
you know, a, a, the wrong message to send to the business community. Why would you come here? He said, you know, if there was this chance that you might get slapped in the face for speaking of, to your corporate values. Uh, now, others said, you know, look, Cagle did the right thing, uh, particularly those uh, who were you know, supporters on the right said, you know, th- th- that they felt that this was the right move. And so, uh, but uh, there's not a person in the uh, economic development community or in the business community here in Metro Atlanta who are all that comfortable about the decision. And they do fear that uh, it's a bad signal to send right as the state and the city are vying for Amazon. I remember Delta's no bit player in the Atlanta economy. They are the largest private employer in the state with 33,000 plus employees. And they're a force to be reckoned with in politics. And now a lot of conservatives got really upset at Delta's messaging. They said they were trying to stay out of a neutral debate by, by, uh, by taking this stance on NRA. But Georgia conservatives and Georgia, Georgia political observers know that Delta has often tried to influence the debate in Georgia legislative issues. They came out against the Religious Liberty Bill in 2015 as it was pending in Georgia legislature. They called for higher infrastructure taxes to help bolster Georgia's transportation grid in 2014 and 15 as well. So it's not like Delta has never played a role in Georgia politics. And let's also keep in mind, Delta is an extraordinarily profitable company. And so 40 to $50 million for them is not a huge amount of money for a company that makes billions every year. And so there were people on the right who, and I think some on the left, who, who objected to Delta, this tax break even being included in the bill, regardless of the NRA discussion. So there, there were, you know, principled arguments to be had about the tax break without this NRA situation. I think um, what got some people in the business community so upset was that um, it was the speaking, the political speech is what uh, ended this tax break and was seen as uh, vindictiveness in mm-hmm. some, some circles. And officials who, are, who have been spending the last few months just trying to get together the state's bid for Amazon and try to put the state's best face for Amazon – saw what was happening with Delta and said, and, and worried that, that Amazon would see if Georgia's treating its largest private employer like, like, like they did, like state officials did, what would happen to Amazon? What, what would Amazon see? And now we don't know. Amazon hasn't commented. They're keeping this tight under wraps. But there's lots of fears in the business community that Georgia's somehow now on another tier when it comes to the Amazon search. And, and that, that, that fear is pretty pervasive in the business community. I'll also say, going back to the adoption bill, uh, that's an even bigger fear to people is if that bill could possibly move forward. Now, it looks like that bill may not reach the governor's desk, uh, may not get through out of the, uh, the House. But uh, people in economic development circles, um, uh, the, the film industry, uh, Fortune 500 CEOs do not want to see that bill move forward. And they think that that really could uh, sink Atlanta's chances if it did. But at the same time, Amazon has already sent its signals that it has not cut Georgia out of the hunt. Absolutely not. I mean, they, uh, you know, um, we know that uh, Amazon is uh, expected to visit sometime this month. Um, they have uh, visited cities such as uh, Denver and Dallas-Fort Worth. And Washington. Washington and the suburbs of Washington that are also on the short list. And um, I believe they uh, also have visited Austin, Texas. Uh, there may have been a few more that have uh, come out in recent days. What is it like, though? What does the state do when it's trying to get a, a big company like 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 uh, Amazon or Mercedes-Benz or another big company to relocate its headquarters. Here. So Mercedes is a great example. So back then they you know they took a delegation of Mercedes people when they were looking to move from New Jersey to Atlanta. Um, you know they showed them houses, they showed them schools, they met with school officials, they met with other business leaders, they met with political leaders. They took them on very elaborate tours of various uh, pieces of property and buildings. Showed them real estate. I mean they went into homes and and and, and homes not just executive level homes but uh, typical you know middle class homes to see what their employees might be able to find. 
and apartments and that sort of thing. Um, you know, the the state and the uh, Metro Atlanta Chamber, Georgia Chamber, those other groups, they're they're a well-oiled machine in how they make these things happen. Um, so if you you know see uh, any large groups of people, uh, <laughs> or maybe uh, maybe some helicopters flying around some prominent sites, maybe maybe that's Amazon come calling. So a lot of pressure on this on this visit, um, but. Uh, you know, as, as the Mercedes-Benz uh, episode showed, sometimes they bear a lot of fruit, right? I mean, Mercedes-Benz just last week opened its brand new headquarters in Sandy Springs. And not only did they open that headquarters, which will have about a thousand workers there, they announced, in a surprise announcement, they announced there's going to be a new innovation lab somewhere in metro Atlanta, uh, which really got a lot of people's attention. They only have three of these, uh, what are called Lab 1886 innovation centers in the world. This would be the fourth. And so they will dream up you know, new products, uh, apps, uh, potentially new lines of business, uh, working together, uh, reporting to Stuttgart, uh, the home office for uh, the parent of uh, Mercedes-Benz, uh, but also working with the U.S. hub as well to maybe test out some of these ideas in either their dealer network or with their customers or uh, that sort of thing. They won't be designing vehicles, but they'll be designing technologies and products. Um, and uh, that's pretty exciting. It was, it was kind of a coda to uh, the recruitment of Mercedes-Benz. Uh, uh, the Mercedes recruitment was one of Nathan Deal's biggest projects. Uh, it came uh, not long after he started his second term. And, um, you know, they had the opening this last week, and it was a big event. There was you know, probably a 1,000 people in attendance, uh, including the mayor of Atlanta, uh, and the mayors of Sandy Springs and other uh, nearby localities. You even had the uh, ports chiefs from uh, Maryland and Georgia come because that's where they bring in and ship out their automobiles. Um, and so it was a big event. And adding those jobs, those innovation jobs, I think was something that uh, the governor, his aides, really wanted to show to prospects like Amazon. Yeah, and there was some other surprising uh, economic development news this week. If one Seattle-based tech giant, Amazon, doesn't pick Georgia, another Seattle-based uh, a company is certainly looking at Georgia. That's right. Uh, that's right. Uh, Starbucks is looking for a large or perhaps venti, if you will, uh, office space in metro Atlanta. Um, we know they're in the market for at least, I know that was a terrible joke, uh, but we know they're in the market for at least 100,000 square feet of office space. Uh, we believe that they are looking uh, at Atlanta and possibly other locations, um, but they seem to be centered around the Midtown area. We don't know the timing of any of this. Um, Starbucks uh, didn't, you know, say they weren't looking. Uh, they said that they are always evaluating real estate. Not really confirmed nor deny. They didn't say they were looking to add corporate jobs. So perhaps this is some form of consolidation of uh, jobs from other locations. We do know they have an existing regional office in the metro Atlanta area, one of, the, I think, 20 or 21 offices they have around the country that isn't their headquarters. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how this develops. Um, uh, folks that we talked to definitely were uh, encouraged by Starbucks's uh, interest in this area, uh, and we'll just see what's brewing. And now, for my favorite part of the show, here's James Salzer with the phrase of the week. Tax cuts. Now, to you and I, a tax cut means that we'll end up paying less taxes if a uh, piece of legislation passes. That's not really what it always means at the General Assembly. A lot of tax bills that go before the House and the Senate give tax breaks to just some people, like billionaire yacht owners, or smokers, or mobile home buyers, or airlines, you know, other people. And then there are the tax cuts that I'm not sure a tax cuts for anybody. The governor recently came up out with a plan to deal with the state's windfall 
money that will be coming in from state income taxes due to the federal uh, tax bill that passed in, in December. It's a good amount of money. Uh, I think the governor estimated $4.7 billion over five years. Now he put forward legislation that would reduce the, that increase from $4.7 billion to $1.1 billion over the course of five years. Uh, his, his proposal has been described uh, by some as a tax cut. Now, it really depends what, what you mean by tax cut. Will you be paying less of an increase in your state income taxes? Will you pay less than you did, for instance, this year? Probably not. So instead of a tax cut under the bill, you'll pay less than you would otherwise pay if they didn't do anything. Now hopefully that's as clear as a mountain stream after a good thunderstorm. Talk about some other big news of the week. One of the biggest pieces of developments this week was a massive student walkout to protest gun violence erupted all over the state. Thousands of students across Georgia walked out for 17 minutes of silence to honor the 17 victims, 14 students and three teachers, who were gunned down at the Florida Parkland High School in, in Georgia capital. All of Georgia Democratic lawmakers and leaders walked out in unison to stand with protesters, student protesters. Republicans mostly took a kind of softer stance than Republicans in other states. In some other states, Republicans called for very stiff sanctions and uh, penalties in, for students walking out. In Georgia, most Republican leaders said they had the right to walk out and protest as long as it was being done peacefully. One candidate for governor, former state senator Hunter Hill, though, did call for discipline if students were violating their school's policies by walking out. There was another offshoot to this as well, a giant gun rally. The protest uh, gun violence and call for gun control is set to be held Saturday at the state capitol. This is a march that would start at the Center for Human Rights in downtown Atlanta and wind up at the $4.4 million Liberty Plaza. Well, there's a wrinkle there. Since the rally is on Saturday, the state has a new policy saying that Governor Deal or one of the seven other state constitutional officers must sign off on that in order for it to be held there. Well, he didn't, and that sparked a big controversy under the Gold Dome. State Representative Mary Margaret Oliver, one of the leading Democrats and one of the longest serving Democrats in the Georgia Capitol, filed a federal lawsuit saying that the state's policy required a state constitutional officer to allow a protest on Capitol grounds was unconstitutional. And a flurry of free speech groups and First Amendment advocates agreed with her, saying that for the governor or government to have to sign off on a protest against the government was unethical and unconstitutional. The governor reversed his position on that rally hours after the federal lawsuit was filed, but it still remains pending because the policy has still not changed. Well, that's our show. Thanks so much for listening. For more political stories, visit politicallygeorgia.com. You can follow us on Twitter at Bluestein and at Fitztruby. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast and rate us. And thank you for listening. Donald Trump has been indicted in Atlanta. We have so many court dockets to follow, but we haven't really seen anything yet. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution has covered every moment of this historic case. I've been writing about this investigation for two and a half years. Our team is led by reporters Bill Rankin and Tamar Hallerman. 
follow our coverage on AJC.com and listen to new in-depth episodes of the award-winning podcast, Breakdown, the Trump Indictment, only from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Our journalists at the Atlanta Journal-Constitution are working around the clock to keep you updated on all the developments surrounding the Trump indictment. Now the AJC is putting all of our coverage in one place with our new Trump 19 newsletter. Every Wednesday, you'll have our latest coverage and analysis on this historic case in your inbox. So sign up for free today at AJC.com slash indictment newsletter. That's all one word. AJC.com slash indictment newsletter.